because there are so many stuff out there, I felt like I wanted to do a bit of a series on what is prophetic, what is true prophetic, um, because I believe that that is so necessary for us to understand. There's a lot of guys posting stuff, things going on, but and people watching stuff instead of actually just finding the truth. We've got to find the truth. We've got to be in a place of truth. So turn with me quickly to 2 Peter uh, chapter 1. 2 Peter chapter 1. I've used the scripture before. We're going to get into it. If you get into a place where you hunger and thirst for the word, hunger and thirst for what God is and what God is speaking, I'm telling you, you're going to be more blessed than what you ever could handle in life. The more you read the word, the more you eat the word, the word will bring life to you. Because in the beginning was the word. And through the word, light and life came. So the context of this, studying the word, getting into the word of God, getting to know the word, brings life to you. You're going to see this now as we read this. I love the scripture because uh, verse 2 says, Grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. How is grace and peace multiplied to you through the knowledge of God? I want more peace. I want more grace. I grow in my knowledge of God. That's how it gets. It doesn't get added. It gets multiplied. Multiplication happens when there's grace. I know I've said this before. I'm going to hit on it and hit on it, hit on it in the spirit because there is something about that that got a breakthrough. People study grace, but they forget about the person. People want to study godliness or life or get into things, but they don't know Jesus. They don't know God. They don't have a personal relationship with Him. Their heart's not moved. All that is is in their mind. So when your heart's in it, that's why I love what Grant Lothar spoke about a week or two ago when he said, we all know that Paul wrote the majority of the New Testament. But that is more in the amount of books, not in volume. Luke wrote more in volume than Paul. So when we look at volume of what Luke wrote, he talks about heart, the reason for the gospel. Luke and Acts. So we see the birth of it. He lays down the foundation. He lays down what it is. So foundation is important in your life because if you're not built on the rock, you'll be swayed. If you're not built on Jesus, you're swayed. If you're built on anything else, you can be swayed. If you're built on Jesus, you're solid. So it says, through the knowledge of Jesus, grace and peace is multiplied. Verse 3, and his divine power has given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness, who called us by his glory and virtue. Remember, we read on. By which have been given to us exceeding great and precious promises, that through these you may be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through through lust. So we can be a partaker of the divine nature. Now we're talking about prophetic tonight, but we cannot just talk about prophetic without speaking about divine nature, about what it is that we are part of. Now there are two places where Jesus prays. We're going to read that quickly. Matthew chapter 6. Let's go there. It's important, right? If Jesus tells us, if Jesus is praying, we've got to listen to what he's praying. These are pretty important prayers. It's not just happenstance, little, uh, little airy, fairy, my little pony dust. It's, it's, it's more important. That when Jesus talks, 
we listen. But it's more important when Jesus prays, we listen. We find there's another place where Jesus prays in Lazarus, where it's a short prayer. And he says, Father, thank you that you always hear me. Significant prayer. But when they ask him, teach us to pray, this is what he teaches them. Now, you've got to get this for a moment. What Jesus is teaching them is vital because it's going to be captured for all eternity and going to be taught to others to pray the same way. So to the church that will be birthed, and that's why John 17 and Matthew chapter 6 are speaking together. So before we get into some of the prophetic, we've got to understand what Jesus is teaching us of a prayer life before there's a declaring life. A prayer life is the internal, it's the thing I live on, it's what I, the conversation I have, it's the relationship I have, it's the understanding of that relationship that builds where I can now speak. I speak from the Spirit. There's one Spirit, as I read in 1 Corinthians chapter 2 last week, there's the context of the Spirit of the man and everything that flows from that Spirit. Who knows the heart of a man except the Spirit? We go into the in First Corinthians chapter 12 when he gets into the, the giftings, and he talks about all of that from one spirit. So the spirit that's in you is the same spirit in me. So it's easier to prophesy to the same spirit if it's the same spirit. You're getting this now. If it's the same spirit in you that is in me, then the spirit speaks to itself. Because we are one body. It's easy for the hand to take the food and put it in the mouth because it's one body. Even when your eyes are closed, the majority of the time you can put the food in your mouth. Especially if you're hungry. <laughs> Even if your eyes are closed, you can still eat. But let somebody else feed you. Can't put the food in the mouth. Because it's not of the same body. I'm throwing examples at you. It talks about a body. If a body is one and we understand the body, it's easy to prophesy because we understand the heart that beats in the same place, the same spirit. Now, Matthew chapter 6, we're going to read this one. So, uh, let's read from verse 5. This is interesting. He says, um, actually the whole chapter is powerful. We don't have too many times. The first part talks about charity, open hand, doing good. Verse 5, and when, when you pray, you shall not be like a hypocrite. For they love to be praying standing in the synagogue and on the corner of the street. And they be seen by men. Surely I say to you, they have um, they have their reward. What's their reward? Men seeing them. But you, when you pray, go into the go into your room. Is it doesn't mean you just pray in a room? No, he's just saying find intimacy, find place of quietness. We we internal. Now listen, I want to just quickly explain something here. You have moments of prayer where we in an instant in a moment we've got to pray. Guys, we've got to pray for this thing. We quickly pray. But I can't live in those prayers. I've got to have moments where I'm speaking to him. I've got to have intimate moments where I'm spending time with him. You know, Wednesday nights are not just there for a nice little thing to pop in on Wednesday night. It's the power of prayer when we come together to spend time praying for people, praying for ourselves, declaring heaven on earth. Different. So he says, don't just be the one standing on the corner shooting up prayers. People can see you. That's everything. But those moment prayers. Get a place where you find intimacy. Where you find intimate time, closeness, speaking to him. That's what he says. Um, and when you have shut the door, pray to your father who is in the secret place. And the father who sees in the secret will reward you openly. The word there, secret place, isn't talking just about the very fact that you are secret. 
It means like when nobody, when your wife doesn't see you, you slip through the door into your secret place. And it's like, Vos, mate, where's my husband? No, no, because God says it's got to be secret. That's not what he's talking about. The secret place is the hobby of holders. So when, when you find that when they made the ark, there was the mercy seat and the cherubims above it. It was, it was hidden in the Holy of Holies, kept there, the Holy of Holies. So when he created that, he said to Moses, right above the mercy seat, under the cherubim's wings, there I will meet you. It was a place where the God manifested his glory under the wings, above the mercy seat, over the Lord. So what was above the law? Mercy. Where will God meet? Above mercy. Secret place. So it says, go into the secret place. I can't get into everything tonight. I've got to give you just a little snippet. When you pray, close the door. Shut off from the rest of the world. Get in there and go into the secret place. Go into that intimate place with him. That's the place where he speaks to you. That's where it's revealed. Seek that. Seek after that. Now, here's where you're going. He says, um, when you pray, do not, see, do not do vain repetitions as the heathens do, for they think that they will be heard by many words. It's interesting that he's saying it's not about always talking. It's not about you just talking, 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 talking. Sometimes we're being quiet. Lord, speak back. Lord, tell me what you're saying. Be, be meditating on what he's saying. What he's doing. I want to give you a quick one. Someone is saying to me, Yeah, but I have all these thoughts. And I, and I hate it when I'm trying to pray and trying to meditate on God. I have all these thoughts and I don't know how to deal with all these thoughts. Just replace the thoughts. It's very easy. Let me explain to you. Stop thinking of a pink elephant. Stop it. Stop it now. Stop it. Don't want you. Oh, stop it. You, you can't, right? The only way to replace it is a purple ostrich. See, did you, just, did you just see that? The pink elephant immediately disappeared and you saw a purple ostrich. What happened? You replaced the thought. The problem is, is we're trying to find thoughts in the intimate place where we're quiet with God is that when there is a thought that comes up, something that is distracting in your life, what is it you set your mind on things above? It's easy, it's easy. Set your mind on things above. Colossians chapter 3, Romans chapter 8. Set it there. So just replace the thought. Just move away from what it is into him. So what's this going to do with prophetic? I see that. It says, yeah, um, verse 8, Therefore do not be like them, for your father knows the things you have need of before you ask him. Did he ever say, don't ask? No, he says there's a knowing. What did Jesus pray at Lazarus? Thank you that you always hear. What if we start? Lord, you all, you know what I need. But Lord, thank you that it's from this place. So, Prayers, what he's just about to give, isn't always about your needs. Intimate place is where I just got in the, knowing him, grace and peace is multiplied. Praying for grace and peace doesn't multiply it. Okay, I hope you're getting it. Praying for grace and peace doesn't multiply it. It's knowing him where grace and peace is multiplied. The more I know him, the more I'm spending time with him, I find that I have more grace and I have more peace. What grace is that? The power to move on things I couldn't do by myself. Where's prophecy? By his grace. Where's miracles? By his grace. How do I live life? By his grace. How's that multiplied in my knowledge of him? So he says, go into the room. Father knows what you need. Spend time in the secret. Close it off. 
be in this place. This is what you pray. He says, in this manner, therefore pray. The word manner is pattern. This is the pattern of prayer. This is the, the blueprint. This is how I want you. Not the specific words, but the context of what it is. Just like the armor of God that we, we read, we've got to put on. When we read about the armor, it's not talking about armor. It's talking about what it represents. So I don't go every morning and put on the armor, the helmet of salvation, the breastplate of righteousness, the belt of truth, the, the Nikes of Jesus, and then I'm ready. No, I don't do that. What it is, what holds my belt, what keeps my pants up, truth. What holds it all together. Where do I put the sword in? Where? Truth. He's explaining to me what's supposed to gird my loins. Truth. What covers my heart and my chest. Righteousness. What covers my mind. Salvation. So you see what he's doing? You see where that's at? The representation. The same way when we're going to in the prairie. He starts off by establishing your family. He starts off by establishing your position. Our Father, which art where? Dochen Boxberg. Our Father, which art in? Heaven, we show it in heaven. So he firstly trying to explain to you there's something about your position in heaven that you've got to understand when it comes from your prayer. What do you start off with? Establishing the prayer. Father, you're my father. You're in heaven. You're from above. I'm seated in you. I'm thinking higher thoughts. My mindset's there. Establishing it from the word. He says, hallowed be your name. What a great name you have. Powerful name. Full of power. Your kingdom come. Your will be done. Where? As what? So it's not the other way around. Everything or what he just... This is the most important prayer in the, in the Bible. What does he pray? Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done. Where? In the earth. On earth. In the earth. On earth. As it is there. So whatever is there is to manifest here. Whatever is kingdom or heaven is to manifest here. Because he starts off. Our Father, which art in heaven. So I've got to manifest my Father here. 2 Corinthians 5 says that we have a ministry of what? Reconciliation. To do what? To bring people unto the Father. Philip says to him, show us the Father. Jesus says, hey, you see me. I, if you see me, you've seen the Father. So where's the Father revealed? Through us. So when Paul says, follow me as I follow him. So do you see the same the same thing of what he's doing here. Now he goes on. He says, On earth as in heaven, give us our daily bread. What is, what is this and to whom is he speaking? He's not speaking to you. He's now speaking to Israelites. He's speaking to them who's come through the desert. Their great grandfathers with it. Their, their understanding is of that of Moses that fed them with the, the bread in the wilderness. Jesus in John chapter 6 says, He is the bread of life. So he replaces that and they say, No, but our father gave us, the, Moses, our father gave us the bread in the desert. He said, Well, if that was the bread of life, why did they all die? I give you the bread of life and you will never die. You hear what he's replacing there? He says, Give us daily bread. Give us supernatural provision. Let us live in who you are. You are my bread. You are my sustenance. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every 
word. So what he's saying is, Lord, give me my daily word. Let me live on the word. Let me speak the word. Let me eat the word. Hear what he's praying? And he starts off, my father, we charge him. He has a great name. He's a powerful. He's strong. Now that father is manifested through me in the earth. As in heaven, so on earth. As in heaven, so on earth. His kingdom of heaven manifested on the earth. We've got to have a perspective on what the kingdoms look like. He explains his daily bread. explains who Jesus is. He goes on. Daily bread. And forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Now, Jesus is talking here before the cross. So he's teaching them something of understanding what debt you had. How much it was that others are just like you. He's giving us the context of what the cross is. We all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Come on. Then like, hey man, I got it all sorted out. You find out, no, no, no. It's not all. That person's worse off. No. We all sinned. We all fell short of it. That's why there's a Savior. Lord, I thank you that my sins are forgiven. Thank you, Lord, that, that Lord, as I forgive others because I am forgiven. And when the lady comes in and breaks at his feet, what's the biggest thing that, that's the perspective? I say, why is she doing this? Because she's been forgiven much. She loves much. There's forgiven. If I understand my debt's forgiven, there's a different way of living. You know, when we go a little bit further down the line in Christianity, if you've given your life a long time ago to Jesus, you kind of forget how bad you were. Now you start thinking how really smart you are. Yes, I've got it all. I got it this, I'm that. No, no, no. You fell short of the glory. You, you owed a debt you could not pay. So by His grace, I'm not, I'm not there anymore. I'm not a sinner. I'm not. I'm a child of God. You're a child of God. But the understanding is, Lord, thank you that I'm forgiven. Thank you that I didn't deserve this. It's all by your grace. It's all by your glory. That's why I can live this way. So powerful, right? It goes on. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from evil. So, this doesn't sound like God, we've got to ask God to not take us into temptation. But the very context of that, as we just read, Peter said, that he has given us everything that pertains to life and godliness. You'll not be attempted above your ability. He's with you. He'll never leave you, never forsake you. So what he's basically praying here as he's delivering this, remember this is pre-cross. This is leading them into this understanding of, Lord, you'll never leave me in this situation. David writes, though I go through the valley of shadow of death, I will fear no evil. So what is that? There's no fear. It's just, you'll be We'll read it maybe later. We'll see if we get there. But the one stage in John where he gets to them, they, they said, you'll be filled with sorrow, but in a moment you'll be filled with joy. So we're saying this, this is moments will you'll have, but I'm coming back and when I come back, when I step out after the cross, after this death, all sorrow will be removed and you'll be filled with joy. The joy for the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross. Hear what he's teaching them. He's teaching them, Lord, I'm delivered from evil. Thank you, God, you're all with me. I'm not tempted about. Isn't that the kind of prayer we should be praying? We're going through this time right now in COVID and other things. Thank you, God, I'm delivered from evil. I read the newspaper and I see the stuff. I go, thank God I'm delivered from evil. Something comes along. No, Lord, you won't lead me into temptation. Thank you, God, I'm delivered from evil. Do you hear the kind of words he's teaching them to pray? And he goes on. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Who, who owns the kingdom? He does. I'm in the kingdom. Who are, who's got the power? He's got the power. 
So he's deep. He's establishing this in prayer. Now, you just got that? He stops with that. Don't you think if it was more important, some of the stuff we deal with today, he should have put that in there? But he finds that that is important enough that that's, that's it. That's it. Just learn this. Just live from that when you pray. And you'll see where it goes. The kind of is we get so messed up with human traditions and stuff that we don't get, we miss the prayer. He's teaching us to pray. His kingdom come, his will be done. Boom. Thank you, Lord, I'm provided for. Thank you, Lord, there's no evil. Thank you, God, that all my debts are forgiven. Thank you. Do you hear what he's teaching us? He's teaching us a different perspective of prayer where a lot of us are not praying. But he first says to them, go to the room. Find the secret place. Be intimate with me. Then pray this way. Pray this pattern. Pray in this way. Do you hear that? Now let's go to John 17. Still okay? If you fall asleep, don't worry. I get you a bit for Island. So it's okay. I'll go on. You'll come back out of intercession. It's a bit deep for Island. You're going to see now we're going to go to, to prophetic out of this. But we've got to understand prayer life to understand prophetic. If you understand the pattern and if you understand the goal, it's easy to prophesy. It's easy to prophesy because you understand the pattern. You understand where it's going. You practice in your prayer life because that's where God speaks. That's where the stuff comes. And then when you start hearing that, it's easy to hear, oh, that person probably has a back problem. Oh, that person, you start seeing things. You start experiencing things. But you're not, But now you know because you've been intimate with Him. You've been spending time with Him. You've been spending time in prayer. Okay. And now, also what happens is, you start hearing somebody when they prophesy where they're coming from. I'm going to explain quickly. You, when somebody starts opening their mouth and you can hear, this person has been, hasn't been praying. This person is now just, just sharing stuff that are just coming from the flesh. I'm, I'm not knocking people. I'm giving you the key to hear if it's fleshly prophecies or if it's godly prophecies. What is the goal? Remember last week I said, the spirit of prophecy is the testimony of Jesus. If it's leading to Jesus, if it's reconciling back to the Father, if it's of the Spirit, that is the prophecies that we follow. Where are the prophecies taking us? And what are prophecies doing? It's drawing you closer to the Father. But we find what is the job of the Holy Spirit? It's to lead us and guide us and take care of us. That's the prophecies to draw us where? Closer to the Father. If I'm not getting closer to the Father, that ain't a godly prophecy. And the prophecies that are happening are people who are going back into Old Testament prophets and trying to be Old Testament prophets, prophesying doom and gloom or kind of direction. Holy Spirit's direction is internal first. You need to be hearing from the Holy Spirit, not the prophet. Sorry, guys, I want to be just really honest. If you're waiting for prophets to guide you, you're missing it. Prophets are not there to guide you. The Holy Spirit is there to guide you. You are the one who's hearing from the Holy Spirit. Then the prophet comes and releases prophetic action to help you find what God's already saying to you. Confirmation, prophetic action, declarations. For what? His kingdom come, his will be done on earth as it is in heaven. 
Any prophecy that doesn't fit into that thing is missing it because it's not of the testimony of Jesus. The spirit of prophecy is the testimony of Jesus. That's the power of what it is. Now, John 17. So I want to read the whole chapter. Is that okay? We're going to read through it and listen to this. Firstly, Jesus prays for himself. This is a vital prayer. It's recorded. It's documented. Jesus just about to step into the greatest moment in history, triumphing over everything, a release of what it is. The reason he came was to die and get resurrection, resurrected. So what he's saying here is vital. He's taught them how to pray when they wanted to know how to pray. Now he's praying for them. He's praying for himself. He's praying for them. And he's praying for all believers. Jesus spoke these words, lifted his eyes to heaven and said, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your son, that your son may also glorify you. As you have given him authority over all flesh, that he should give eternal life to as many as have given, as you have given him. So what is he? What is he about to do? Give you eternal life. He says, and he has power over all flesh. And this is eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. What is eternal life? That we may know him. What's the word know there? Intimacy. Do you know him? You have eternal life. Okay, wait. Eternal life doesn't kick in the moment you die. That's the problem we have. We've all been taught you're going to live forever. That's why you need Jesus. We use that word. But before the cross, people also lived forever. We read about Lazarus and the rich, the, uh, the, the rule. They, they, he saw him there. It was in Hades and he was in Abraham's bosom. They were also in the spirit. Where did Jesus go after he died? Into Hades to preach the gospel. He revealed himself. People got saved. Preached the gospel there to those who were before the days of Noah. So he lived forever. Eternal life's got a different perspective. The moment you get saved, you are eternally connected to the Father. Eternal life. Do you know Him? Intimate connection. Difference. Now, okay, I'm going to try to not preach too much and just read. Um, it says uh, that you may know you. First of all, I have glorified you on the earth, and I have finished the work which you have given me to do. And now, O oh Father, glorify me together with yourself, with the glory which I had with you before the world was. Now listen to what he used. He used the word glory, a glorification. Lord, you and me also being glorified together. This was verse 5. And now, O Father, glorify me together with yourself, with the glory which I had before the world was. This is powerful glory. This is is mind-blowing stuff. Verse 6. I've manifested your name to the men whom you have given me, um, out of the world. Um, they were yours. You gave them to me, and you have kept, sorry, me, and they have kept your word. Now they have known that all things which you've given me are from you. For I have given it to them, uh, the words which you have given me, and they have received them, and have known surely that I came forth from you. And they may believe, sorry, and they have believed that you sent me. So it's praying for the disciples here. I pray for them. Do not pray for the world, but for those whom you have given me, for they are yours, and all mine are yours, and yours are mine, and I and I am glorified in them. So Jesus is already praying how part of his in the glory that's in these disciples. 
Now I'm no longer in the world, but these are in the world, and I have come to you, Holy Father. Keep through, um, Holy Father, keep through your name those who have given, who you have given me, that they may be one as we are. Wow, this is powerful. While I am with them in the world, I kept them in your name. Those whom you have given me, I have kept, and none of them is lost except the son of perdition. Um, that is the scripture may be fulfilled. Who's that? Judas. Who's the one that was there given? Son of perdition? Judas. That's what I, my perspective. Um, that the scripture might be fulfilled. But now I come to you, and these things I speak to the, uh, speak in the world, that they may have my joy fulfilled in themselves. I I have given them your word, and the word has and the world has hated them because they are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. I do not pray that you should take them out of the world. Listen to that. But you should keep them from the evil one. They are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. Sanctify them by your truth. Your word is truth. As you sent me into the world, I also send them into the world. And for my sake, I sanctify myself. That they, sorry, for their sake, I sanctify myself that they may also be sanctified by the truth. He's praying for his disciples. He's releasing glory over them. Listen. How much of that was praying for them to uh, have good homes and, and be okay? And uh, Did you read any of that there? What he's praying for is all spiritual. He's praying for sanctification. He's praying for the glory of God. As much as the glory was in him that will be in them. He's releasing this over them. He says, don't take them out. They're going to be here. But in this world, you'll protect them. In this world, they'll walk in the glory. The glory will be with them. He's lifting it up as he's praying for them. And how hard is he? He's giving him the word. Basically what he's saying, Lord, the word I've put in them, may that be glorified. May they take that word to the world. May it be exalted. Do you hear everything he's praying? Do you hear any fleshly carnal stuff in what Jesus is praying to his disciples? Nothing. It's not connected to that. He's praying for the spiritual stuff. Now, we've got to read it all into connection. Remember, first part is praying, how part is he of God? His thing, praying for himself, what God's done. Then he prays for those who are right there in it. And then he goes to me and you. Verse 20. I do not pray for these alone, but also for those in Strand who will believe in me through their word, that they all may be one as the Father are in me, and I as you, Father, are in me, and I in you, that they may be one in us, that the world may believe that you sent me. Listen, the, the more part I am of God and God of me, it's not about me, it's about the very fact that Jesus was sent. Listen to what he's saying here. He says, Lord, that the world will believe I was sent. As much as you are part of me. Listen, what he, he goes on to say this. I hope you're going to get this. Um, he said to me, verse 22, And the glory which you gave me, I give them, that they may be one just as we are one. Wow. Stop the urluasi. Stop. Just listen for one moment. What did Jesus just pray before that? The glory which I had before the world was formed. Lord, I pray that they will have that glory. Just as we are one, they will be one. With who? With him. Lord, as 
much as you are in me, I am in you. They are in us and we are in them. And the glory which I had before the world was formed, we had, we give it to them. Hey, hey, we've been playing around with the anointing. We've been playing around with Christianity. When I start reading this, I read that we have missed it to this far about what the glory of God is when it says it will fill the whole earth. And I realize that there is more to who we are as children of God when the glory of God flows through us. They want to stone Jesus. What does he do? He walks right in between them and just leaves them. Standing on the edge of the cliff, they pick up stars. We're going to kill you. He says, no, you're not. All drop there. Always, he's the super Jedi. No, he won't. No, he won't. <laughs> he just walks straight through them. Jesus walks on water. The Bible says we've died to the principles of this world, yet we act in that way. I'll read it now if you want me to, but you can go look at it. He says we died to the elements of this world. But yet, why do we live to the elements of this world when we've received the glory he had before he formed the earth? That glory dwells in me. I'm a temple of the Holy Spirit. His glory fills me. But we've been playing around with it and instead of releasing it into the earth, we think just by laying hands on one person and really trying really hard, yeah, heal this guy, heal him here. It was a halo. Oh, yeah, I believe. Lord, please heal this person. And then we see one miracle, maybe two miracles, but we haven't found what it is. See, we, we're playing with a little squishy bottle to try and drop the glory a little bit here. When we are filled with the glory that was in Christ, in God, before the earth was formed. The glory before this world was formed in us. So when we speak from that place, how does God speak? Let there be light. The moment he spoke that, everything in nature responded to his words. See, okay, now we're touching on some prophecies. See where I'm going with this? Prophecy isn't just about me looking at a person and giving them a prophetic word. The very office of that as a prophet or what is designed for us to operate in the gifting is to declare the things that be not as though they were. It's to speak from a place where the glory of God is where we say, no, this shall not happen and everything comes in line with it. That's the prophetic because it's the testimony of Jesus. The spirit of prophecy. It's to look at a person and prophesy, you will not be the same. Your life is about to change. God's going to do incredible things in you. And when you start speaking that over that person, things come in line. Because we've heard of the Father. Because we know his thoughts. We hear his heart. It goes on to say, uh, verse, I think we were, we're 24. Father, I desire that they also may, that they also who you have given, Ah, read again. Father, I desire that they also, who you gave me, may be with me where I am, that they may be uh, may behold my glory which you have given me, for you loved me before the foundation of the world. Where does he pray for you to be? With him. Where is Jesus right now? At the right hand of the Father, right? But he says, where are you? I have died. It's no longer I that live, Colossians 2, but Christ. My life is hidden in him. Ephesians chapter 2. I am seated in heavenly places. When Paul, I'm just going to drop this thing in about heaven. When Paul receives a touch of God, Saul, he's riding on the horse, donkey, whatever he was going on. He's riding there. And suddenly a light brighter than the noonday sun appears. 
He drops off, he falls to the floor, he lies there, and he writes later on, he says he was pulled into the third heaven. Did he, did, did he, was it the Star Trek moment? Beam me up, Paulie. No, I mean, beam me up, Scotty. Like, Petrus, what me? Well, Petrus was still there. No, no, like, I don't know. Beam me up, Samson. I'm like, shoo, they're gone. Paul is gone. There's nobody there. He's in the third heaven. And suddenly he comes down. Shoo, he lands. Because he's blind now. Take me. I don't know. <laughs> no, come on, guys. Where was he? He was right there on the floor. But where was he? In the third heaven. When John was on the Isle of Patmos. He's standing there, he hears a voice, and the voice says, come up higher. Did he leave the island? Did, did the Jesus spaceship land? <laughs> Jesus walked out and said, come John, let's go. And the candlesticks float around. But did he see that spirit? No, come on, I've got, I've got to be honest here. Just like when we read this stuff, some we read spiritually, some we want to buy geographically. The Bible says you're surrounded by a cloud of witnesses. Right here in this building, there's a cloud of witnesses. When the glory appears, what appears? The cloud. The cloud of witnesses, those who have gone before us. What do they do? They cheer you on to perfection. Because in Hebrews 11, oh, sorry, Hebrews 12, it talks about the very fact that you are, they cannot be perfected before you. Sorry if I'm, without you. They need to, it needs to be together. So what are they doing? Push on to perfection. Push on to maturity. Come on, declare heaven on earth. The same glory that's with God before the foundation is in you. Release the glory. Release the glory. That's what they're doing. But here's heaven. I'm seated. He just, they will be with me. So where are you right now? In heavenly places. He says, but what does he say that you need to see? Father, I desire, verse 24, that they also whom you have give, uh, gave me may be with me where I am. That they may behold my glory, which you've given me, and you love me before the foundation of the earth. He said, Lord, let them be in me, where I am, that they will behold my glory. Ah, fly away, O glory. Doesn't happen one day. It happens now. Where's Jesus right now? In you. Where's his glory? In you. What are you going to see? What, is, what does John do? John, in a, a moment, in an instant, hears a voice behind him. He says, turn around. When he turns around, he sees the candlesticks. He sees a lion. He sees a lamb. Where is that? He's on the Isle of Patmos, but in the spirit, he's seeing God's glory. Come up higher. He stepped into a higher realm. Where's God's thoughts? God's ways are higher than my ways. His thoughts are higher than my thoughts. It's not geographically. It's not up in a higher place. It is of a higher realm. So his glory is of a higher realm. Where is your mind? Set your mind on things. Oh, so I've got to take my mind out and throw it into the air because it's going to be there. Big black hole. Set your mind on things above. Where Christ is seated at the right hand of the Father. Your life is hidden in him. Set your mind there. Set your life on, the, on, on that. When that is there, everything changes. Now listen, as we finish a righteous Father, the world has not known you, but I have known you, and these have known that you sent me. I have declared that to them your name, and I will declare it, uh, declare it, that the love which you loved me may be in them, and I in them.
Can I ask you, in any of these prayers, some of the stuff we follow today, is any of that in that prayer? What does he pray for us? What is his greatest desire from prayer for you? It's only that. It's only that. May my glory be in you. May you be one with me. As you are one with me, you'll be seated in me and you will behold my glory and know that you are loved. The same glory I had before the foundation of the earth. That's the only purpose of what he came to do. Jesus didn't want to get you to heaven. Jesus wanted to get heaven to you. The problem is, is that everything has been postponed for one day when we get to heaven. When the very fact of what Jesus did was to bring heaven to you right now, in this very moment, where you're at, one with God. What was the thing that you came to die for? Separation from sin. Or separation from God through sin. You could not go to God individually and walk into the Holy of Holies and say, God, I feel like I want to pray right now. Can I talk to you? You'd be killed right there in that moment because you were a sinner. You were unholy, unworthy, no glory in you. The glory would kill you. Now after the cross, the glory lives in you. Okay, well, I'm going to say that again. The glory of God was so powerful that when you came in as a sinner to walk in there, and that priest walked in there, even just a touch made him unworthy of a sinner. So he would walk in with a touch and he would die. But Jesus said, no, sin does not separate you from the Father. Now you are the temple of God. Now there's no more separation. I am in you and you are in me. We are one where? In the earth. So go to Matthew chapter 6. Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done where? On earth, in the earth. The manifestation of God's glory is for heaven to manifest here. For God's glory to manifest here. We haven't seen that yet in a full body. We're stepping more and more. It's just growing up in maturity into the head. So it fills all and in all. So we have an understanding of that. The maturity. Fighting us, okay, don't worry. Sorry, I'm messing, it's okay. <laughs> Hey, Malfa, Malfa, shh, shh. <laughs> do you hear where I'm going with this? Why has this got to do with prophetic? Because prophetic's got to come in line with what that is. Too much of the prophetic has been based on earthly things, on earthly realms, and just trying to get you satisfied with where you are in the earthly realm. When prophetic is supposed to be drawing you closer to God, understanding His glory in you, and declaring from that place. Then we'll see greater things we've ever seen before. You know, I read the stories of the great men of God who did these signs and wonders and miracles. You see them. Corpus von Reisberg was probably the greatest healing evangelist of all time. He did more miracles than anyone in the healing revivals. More miracles than any one of them. Documented stuff. But it was one guy doing all of it. You go read Smith Wigglesworth, John G. Lake, Maria Worthhead. You read these people that did signs and wonders, supernatural things, amazing things. Hearing God's word, individuals, while the rest of the church says, you do it, we follow. You do it, we follow. When God's desire is for all men, for all of you, to live in maturity, for all of you to prophesy, for all of you to heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse the lepers, for all of you to live in righteousness, for all of you to manifest His glory. 
He doesn't pray for superheroes here. Praise for you. Will you read that? That prayer is for you. That you might have the same glory as he had before the world was formed. The same glory. Do we even have an idea what that looks like? When the glory of God is fully manifested. When it's revealed who we are. Then nothing that the enemy can come to. You know, the Bible says that he conquered every principality and every power put it under his feet. Colossians, right? But we read in 1 Corinthians 15 that this still needs to be to us who put things under our feet. So he did it. Now it's time for us to do it. All things need to be under our feet. We need to get victory over it. We need to step into what he's already done. So I don't have to do it. He says, grace and peace be multiplied to me. Everything that pertains to life and godliness has been given to me, Papa. Everything. So to be godly has been given to you. To live this life has been given to you. To get conquered and victory over that thing has been given to you. It's done. Now live in it. And when I start living in it, the words that I speak are all prophetic. Come on, you hear where I'm going with this? When we teach about prophecy, and there's great teachers, Marlis, all these guys that teach wonderful things about prophetic and how to prophesy and how to be that thing. I'm going back to the heart of prophecy. Starting there, as we go, I'll teach you. We'll teach how to do it, prophetically, how to flow. But if we don't understand the heart of what it is, we, we will start to prophesy from a place where we're trying to do something like, like riding a bicycle or learning a, a skill set. There's no skill set to learn. The very context of this is the heart of prophecy is Jesus. It's the testimony of Jesus. It's what it is. It's the glory of God. It's that intimate moment of prayers that when we speak, everything we talk becomes prophetic. Life and death is the power of the tongue. So we're like, okay, I've got to change my words. But if I don't want to change my heart, I don't understand who I am in Christ. And all of that's just, just words. It's just trying. It's just it's making sense. And the trueness is Matthew 6. On earth, as it is in heaven. So whatever I'm reading or hearing, I draw it through the word and the cross to what Jesus did on the cross and what I just read about the prayers. Everything that's being taught right across the world, no matter who it is, I draw it through that place to see, does it come in alignment with kingdom on earth, manifestation of the glory, and the glory through us? If it doesn't do that, I don't listen to that prophecy. I don't listen to that thing. I just throw it out. I don't care. I don't care. Because it's got to be through that. This is what's given to me. We read it. Right? From that place, we'll start prophesying over our children, over our country, over places when we speak. What, what do we speak in alignment? Do we speak different political parties into being? No. Do we uh, pray against unrighteousness? Yes. But for what? How do we pray against unrighteousness? His kingdom come, his will be done on earth as it is in heaven. I declare his glory to fill a place. I declare his breakthrough to come into that area. What do we pray for? The gangs that are right behind us here, in this area right behind us. Horrific stuff. Many people get killed right here behind the church. 
What are we praying every Wednesday, every week? We pray the glory of God to fill that place. God's power to hit that place. Because the police can go in there, they remove a certain group. What happens? Another group takes over. But if God's glory falls that place, people are getting dreams. Prophetically, we're speaking, no more gangs. The town changes. Everything changes. You hear what the glory? That's kingdom come, will be done on earth as in heaven. That is the spirit of prophecy, the testimony of Jesus, that Jesus is glorified. Making sense? For a moment, just as I hear the scripture we're reading. Sometimes a question arises in our heart about a scripture we heard once upon a time. We're saying, Sean, I'm hearing all of this stuff about the glory, but where does that scripture fit in? And this is Isaiah 42, verse 8. I am the Lord, that is my name. And my glory I will not give to another, neither my praise to graven images. So, so you hear what the context is? It's graven images. It's idol worship. It's anything that's not God or not godly. He said, I will not give my glory to that. In other words, he can't even share his glory with the law because when Moses had the Veil over his face. He hid it for the very reason that it was fading. So if you read 2 Corinthians 3, the end is, he said, where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. He said, and, and all with unveiled face, eh? he said, um, well, in 1 Corinthians 13, 2 Corinthians 3, it's all about looking into the Word as a mirror and the reflection that comes from that, then my face shines. Stephen was very much in the position of Sean's sermon tonight. Stephen was declaring what Sean is preaching tonight. He said, and his face literally shone. When they found him, he said, I'm standing on this word like Sean is preaching tonight. And that's what made his face shine. God said, I will not share my glory with an idol. I will not share my glory with the law. But you are not an idol and you are not the law. You are one John, you are John 17. You are 2 Corinthians 3 18. He said, From glory to glory. He said, I desire to share my glory with you. I desire to give you my glory. The whole earth will be filled with the knowledge of my glory. It's a powerful piece on Stephen. Is that he. He's the first martyr, the first one to die. But in the moment declaring Jesus and his resurrection, when they stone him, he shines. It's a glory that starts to be revealed. Very many stories of certain people who stepped into glory, experienced God's glory, and the glory starts to manifest through them. Some incredible stuff. I remember reading a story of a man who was. Um, Held captive and thrown into a, a hospital. I can't remember the, the entireness, but he was there under guard and he was not suppo supposed to be there. They captured him and he had gotten hurt or something. I can't remember the whole thing. There was no electricity and no nothing. And so one night they walked past, um, and as they walked past his room, there was a light in the hospital. And so they went in and the nurse was. It's been documented on some of these amazing things. And she walked and saw the light. I was like, but this is impossible. There's no electricity. 
And she walked towards the bed. He was sitting reading his Bible in the hospital. And he was shining as he was reading the word. It was shining as he was reading. It was like the glory of God was just flowing out of him. Here is Jesus' streams of living water will flow out of us. Do we even realize what that is? Scripture says we don't know what we will be when we see Jesus and when we see him, we'll be like him. I don't know what I will be. I don't know what this next step is. But faith gives substance to the things hopeful. Faith isn't just about a testimony. It's not about just I got a lot of faith and I stir it up and so I can heal people now because I've got a lot of faith and I've got, or I can prophesy because I have a lot of faith. No. Faith gives substance to the thing hopeful. What is the thing hopeful? To be like him. Was he before the earth? The glory which he had. I don't, I don't know what that looks like. By faith, I walk in that. By faith, I start operating. By faith, I start seeking that. By faith, that's where faith's at. That's where faith is at. I don't know what I will be, 1 John chapter 4. But I know when I see him, I'll be like him. Do you hear equilibrium? As in heaven, so on earth. I don't know what it is, but when I see him, I'll be like him. I look in a mirror. Oh, Jesus. Religion has made us always trying to achieve to be like Jesus. Trying to work up. And when I've done everything right and perfect, then I'll manifest it. When scripture says that it's been given to us already. I don't know what I will be like. I don't know how that looks. I don't know completely what it means to be fully in the glory of God. But I know that when I see him, I'll be like him. Can you bear with me just one moment? I just need to explain this as a last point. Because I've got to declare it in the morning. Even if you don't catch it, I'm just going to declare it for what it prophetically is. Matthew chapter 6 is about to happen. I believe in the earth, Matthew chapter 6, is in this next decade, we're going to see the glory of God pushed through by those who push on behalf of it. Where heaven is going to start to manifest as we push through, as the glory of God starts revealing through us, we're going to see the glorious manifestations of God. We're going to see angels again. We're going to see experience heavenly beings again. We're going to see a revival like we've never seen before. The glory of God flowing through us. Whether what we speak will come to life. When we open our mouth, it's going to be there. When we declare these things, it's going to happen. Why? Because we speak from the Holy of Holies. We speak from the secret place. When we sing, we hear angels sing. Why? Because heaven is pushing through. Because earth starts to look like heaven. You're going to go to science or maths? How does one thing change to another thing? How does it, through that, that equation in the middle, what's that? Equilibrium. The same as there, the same as here. When Jesus dies, graves are open. 
people are risen. They get up. They saw them walking around in the city. No, no, you don't understand. For a moment, just put yourself in that position. When your grandfather knocks at the door and says, Hello, I'm back. Like, <laughs> I'm leaving the ball. This is a joke. Granddaddy's at the door. He's out of the grave. And he looks like he's 30 years old. See, we're playing around with stuff when the glory of God was revealed in Christ. And he showed us what the glory does. He showed us what the glory does. He speaks to a storm and it's quiet. They want to stone him and he says, move out of my way. He says, I laid my life down and I build it up again. They throw him in a grave. He opens the grave. He operates in a different way. He shows up at a funeral and the dead is raised. He walks on water. What does he show forth? He shows forth the glory of God revealed in flesh. He shows us what it looks like. So we need money. He says, go catch a fish. So we haven't got food. Just throw the net over on the other side. That's prophetic. Just throw it up. We have caught all night. Do you listen to the word? Or are you going to go on your experience? Cast the net on the other side. They cast it. So much fish. You can't pull it in like, Lord, this is incredible. He's showing forth the glory. He steps off the boat. He touches the soil. When he touches the soil, the demon, this man, runs to him. The, the demon-possessed man runs to him. You know, we're playing around by faith. What does the demon possessed usually do? They run away. Jesus steps on the board when he puts his, when glory touches earth, the demons run to him. And they come running at him. He sets them free. What is the glory of God? What is it to mean that the whole earth will be filled with his glory? Because when the whole earth is filled with his glory, the heavenlies and the earthly will be one. Remember what I said? Heaven is not a geographical place. It's a spiritual place. Jesus says, don't touch me. I haven't been to the Father yet. Next verse. Touch me. See the holes in my hand. Where was he? When he comes up out of the grave, he says, don't touch me. Next chapter. Touch me. Why did he say, don't touch me? I haven't been to the Father. So Jesus went to the Father and came back. How did he do that? He just stepped over into the spiritual. How did Elijah leave the earth? In wind. Just moved, stepped into the earth. How did Enoch go? He just walked. He just walked with God. He just walked into the spiritual. I can't go there tonight. I have to wait another night. But how do these guys, Jesus stepped out into the Father, revealed the blood, and they stepped back. Enoch walked with God and just kept on walking. I'm done with this earth. Elijah says, stay behind. He says, no, I want more of you. He says, stay behind. I want more. He says, now we're going. Chariots come like, he doesn't take his eyes off of the prophet. Keeps his eyes on the prophet. Why? Because he wants the anointing. And as the, the chariots go and everything's going, the supernatural, then suddenly what happened? Wind comes, he steps into the wind. He's taken. Jesus on the Mount of Transfiguration. A cloud appears on of glory. He steps out of the cloud. Moses and Elijah. Step out of the cloud. See Jesus. How did they get there? 
thousands of years before that, Moses standing on the mountain says, God, show me your face. God says, you cannot see where I've come from, it will kill you. He doesn't talk about his physical face. He says, my, my origin. My origin is so great, so massive, your, your mind, your being cannot handle that. But I'll show you where I'm going. Puts him in the cleft of the rock. He's in the rock. He's standing there. Standing in the rock. All the stuff moves. God, God's showing up with everything. The door. And as it moves by the quiet, God pulls him out of the rock into him. And when he goes into him, it's God in time. No, he's outside of time. So Moses steps into God. Sees where God is going. Same mountain, same place. Elijah. Elijah says, show me your face. God says, you can't. You will die. But I'll show you where I'm going. He says, okay, stand in the rock. He waits. Everything goes by. Suddenly he steps in. He bumps somebody. Boop. Who are you? I'm Moses. Who are you? I'm Elijah. I'm going somewhere. Hundred years later, Jesus steps onto a mountain. God says, right now you're going to be witnessed by the law and the prophets. And who appears to him when the cloud stops? <laughs> Come around him. Who steps out of the cloud? Moses and Elijah. And they see Jesus. Where were they? Maybe they were still on the mountain, caught up. They caught in the spirit. They're right there. But in the spirit, both of them are standing before the Son of God. And they look at him, the same as Sadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who's in a fire, who appears in the fire, Jesus. Why? Because they chose beyond time to live in the glory, saying, I don't stand for this, this dead thing that's standing in front of me. I'll die even. And in that moment when they step in by faith, who appears? Jesus. So when Moses and I, they're on the same mountain, and they step into him. Moses steps into God, sees God, has experience with God, but yet sees everything from creation. God reveals him everything. He sees everything in perfect detail. And he goes into Genesis. If you look at Genesis, how prophetic Genesis is, how he teaches about that. It's profound what Moses sees in the Spirit. In a moment, talking about prophecy, we're talking about words of knowledge, we're talking about things. See, we want to make it just know somebody's telephone number. No, man. I don't want to know somebody's number. I want to know him. And when I'm in him, it doesn't matter whether the telephone number or a name, that's very powerful stuff. I'm not taking away from that. But that's only the little tip of the iceberg of what it means to be in the prophetic, what it means to be in the spirit. They're on the earth, but yet they are with Jesus. I don't know. They pulled away when they see Jesus. The one Elijah didn't even die. Elijah. He didn't die. He said, if that's, the, if that's the end result, then death is conquered. I'm going to God. Thank you.
come on. So that in a moment it's opened. In a moment his eyes see in the spirit. In a moment it's revealed for what it is. But where is he standing? Right here on the earth. It's not a geographical place. It's spiritual. Jesus steps into heaven, steps out of heaven. Where are you seated? In heaven. I just want to quickly, this might be rough on what I'm saying. Stop waiting for heaven. You're already there. I'm not taking heaven away. Don't get me wrong. When you die physically, you go there. But the problem is, we're not accessing who we are in the spirit and living from heavenly places in the earth. We're not living from heaven. We're waiting for it to happen still. And he says, hey, I prepared a place for you. You are in me. Your life is hidden in me. Live from this place. Live from this place. Speak from this place. Declare from this place. Set your mind on things above. You are changed by what? The renewing of your mind. If you mind the heavenly things, what's going to happen to you? I don't know what I will be like, but I want to set my mind on things above. and I'm going to be changed. I don't know what I will be like, but when I see him, I look like him. He appears. I look like him. Ah, oh, it's the same. Why? Because I'll, I'll be changed by the renewing of my mind. Away from the natural into the spiritual. I hope this is making sense. Away from the natural into the spiritual. Now faith gives substance to the things hoped for. By faith I'm accessing them right now. Son of God. The manifestation of the what? Sons of God. For so long I preached that scripture. I love that scripture. I wanted that scripture. But now for the first time I'm starting to see a little bit more of what I didn't know before. There's an equilibrium that needs to happen at, on earth as it is in heaven. On earth as it is in heaven. What does heaven look like? Is there lack in heaven? No. Then there shouldn't be any lack here. Is there tears in heaven? No. Just, oh, again, I'm sorry. I lost it. Lost it. Lost it. Lost it. Back my books up. Let my books up. Scripture says, Revelation, there will be a new earth and a new heaven. Remember, remember, you know that? So people are waiting for a new earth and a new heaven. Sorry. Gonna blow your mind with this. Day that happened, the cross happened. What was the old earth and old heaven before the cross? Old earth and old heaven was no no person was allowed in heaven in God. She was sinner. And no spirit lived in man on the earth. The spirit only came upon a person and they moved. But no spirit came in a person. The cross happened and heaven forever changed. And earth forever changed because now man is in heaven and God is in earth. So now it's totally so there is a new heaven and there is a new earth already happened. Now, heaven has changed, earth has changed. Where are you seated? So don't tell me heaven has not changed. Heaven's changed completely. You are in Christ in heavenly places. What's happened in the earth? The same spirit that rose Christ from the dead dwells in you. The Christ remained when Jesus left, it lives in you. There is a new heaven and there is a new earth already. It's done. Now, what's spirit with him? Now, he says, no more tears, no more sorrow. Then he goes on to explain a few different things of what needs to happen. Have we seen that? No. Have we seen the fullness of that? No. It's time to see it. I don't see everything. Hebrews chapter, Hebrews chapter 2. Hebrews chapter 2. I don't see everything yet, but I see Jesus. The author and finisher of my faith. 
I don't see it yet under my feet, but I see Jesus. I don't see the dead raised yet, but I see Jesus. I don't see the glory yet, but I see Jesus. That is the power of what that is by faith reaching for it. Understand the prophetic now a little bit more? Just close your eyes. Let's just sit you for a moment. Pray tonight, Holy Spirit, that we will understand and see your glory like never before. Pray, take this word as much as I said tonight, preach into our hearts, Holy Spirit. Preach it to our hearts. Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit. Grow in intimacy with you. Truly experience you in the secret place. As we spend time with you, as we pray, as we, as we listen, reveal yourself to us, Holy Spirit. Thank you for tonight. We thank you for Jesus. Thank you for Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. As you count. Pray for this week. May we have encounters with your Holy Spirit like never before. As we read the word, open the word to us, reveal it more to us. So we can see and experience you. May we see heaven manifested. May this be the generation that steps into it. May we see your glory revealed in and through us. Thank you for it, Lord, tonight. In Jesus' name. Amen. Just have a, one or two words quickly for people, and then we're going to end. This going to be really quick. My brother, you have the beard. Man, I, I just saw you sit there in the spirit tonight, and I saw you like carrying heavy. On your past, it's like a, it's this weight of something that you carry. And every time you've come to God, you, you've kind of given it to God. Say, okay, God, here it is. Please help me with this. Deal with it. It feels every time God's done nothing, and then you kind of take it back and you kind of worry about it and step on it. Like just when you think, like, okay, I want to trust God with this, it feels like you're failing it. It feels like it's not coming to pass. It feels like it's, it's a, it carries, it becomes heavier, and heavier, heavier in your spirit. So the joy that you really want and the victory that you want, you don't see it. You're hoping for it. 
you're hoping for a change, you're hoping for things to come, but it feels like so much of that is just it's just not happening as much as you want it to. You've prayed for it, you've asked for it, you've, some of it you've kind of like just forgotten about. It's making sense for you. I feel like in this moment right now, God's just speaking to you to say, trust me, it's about to step through. The timing is right now. The timing, that, like carrying it, that God says, just let it go. Trust me enough that I'll bring the justice, I'll bring the restoration, I'll bring the rest, the, the restorativeness of what that is into your life. As much as you want it, God wants it more. God wants it more. He wants to see the joy in your life more than what you want, the victory you want, more than He's got. And what you think he wants. But like just God standing next to you says, give it to me. And you're like, okay, God, but, but what if what if? Just give it to me. Allow him to be the one that takes that life. Because I believe the joy that is God, the life that is the victory that's God. I'm looking at you. I'm seeing you in the one hand where you are today, which is carrying this weight. And on the other hand, I'm seeing you in the spirit, you jumping and, and shouting and screaming and just laughing like how do you better just seem like you're so enjoying what your life is? You can't believe when you wake up in the morning like a kid before Christmas. You're like, yes, this is the best day of my life. This is amazing. Right now, you're just carrying this thing in your spirit. It's just like this. I don't even know how to deal with it. I just feel in this moment, God just, just allow his love to penetrate that very deep hurt, that disappointment, that stuff. For him to heal it completely because that's what he wants. Like they're sitting there waiting for you to just let it go, just allow him to come in. It's going to change your world. It's going to change your life. You have no idea what God's about to do. What I see in the spirit from you, where I'm seeing you at right now, is two different worlds. He's desiring that. He's saying to a guy this morning, he's like, so those moments where, like a child playing rugby or soccer, or whatever they're on the sports field, but their parent is to the side. They one parent, you know, they want that out screams everybody. It's running next to the field, like the boys running and the parents running. Come on, come on, yeah, it's my boy, it's my boy. In the spirit, I'm seeing the same thing. I'm seeing God standing next to the field, pulling up his dress and running. I'm just joking, but God's right there. He says, "Come on." It's my boy, it's my boy, it's my boy. I'm proud of you, I love you, I love you. I'm literally hearing him shouting it out of him. It's not just saying it like it's like, but no, he's shouting like, come on, I love you. I'm standing with a banner on the stage, playing you on the stage, and shouting, it's my boy. I'm going to get a view of that in your life because I believe what I'm seeing in life here is great words. So much more is going to see. Life penetrates this love. Would you just a moment just to close your eyes? Mark, would you just put your hand on your shoulder? Would you just stretch out your hands to me right now? Father, I thank you for my brother tonight. Thank you that you love him. That you love him, Jesus. That you love him so much. Thank you that you bring healing and restoration to his heart, his life right now. You will never be the same. The 
this night will be edged out. But what you've got for him, that he would see that in a moment of instant. Have a look back again. He fills it because it's that good. It's that beautiful. I bless you tonight. Bless you with every good thing that there is. May you truly start seeing who you are, what he wants to do in you and through you. Love you all. Thanks for being here tonight. If you have prayer for anything, you're welcome to come and pray with you. But may you have a beautiful, beautiful evening. Join us live on some of the sessions we'll be doing. See you next Sunday. Thank you guys. Thanks for coming.